0: Men, urologic health may not be top of mind, but it might be time to start thinking about how to prevent diseases in your kidneys, bladder, or male organs. We're going to talk about it today with Dr. Jeffrey Lodoyle, a urology specialist at the Ridgecrest Regional Hospital Urology Clinic in alliance with USC Urology, a part of Keck Medicine of USC. This is a podcast from Ridgecrest Regional Hospital. I'm Prakash Chandran. So first of all, Dr. Lodoyle, can you tell us about urology and what kinds of conditions you treat as a urologist?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So urology, it's really an all-encompassing term for a specialty that takes care of basically all issues related to the urinary tract in both men and women. So for men specifically, we deal with issues related to the prostate, kidney, bladder, erections, and all forms of testicular and sexual health. And for women, we also deal with, again, kidney, bladder issues, incontinence issues, as well as recurrent urinary tract infections. So urology itself is a very broad field that has very many subspecialties, but in essence, we are the masters and plumbers of the urinary system.
0: Got it. So, Because today we're talking about men's health and urology, can you talk about some of the most common things that you see with your male patients?
1: The male urology patients, obviously, the first priority is to diagnose and treat cancer. So prostate cancer itself is the most common malignancy in men above the age of 40. And under the age of 40, testicular cancer is the most common cancer. So as urologists, we are really at the front line of diagnosing and taking care of cancers in men. But also, we take care of men starting from a young age all the way up till, unfortunately, they pass well into their 80s and 90s. And we treat the gamut of issues. So in men, we see, besides cancer, issues related to an enlarged prostate, kidney stones, erectile issues, sexual health issues, as well as just other maladies that affect the urinary system, such as recurrent infections.
0: Okay. So you mentioned the primary priority was to treat and diagnose cancers. So can you talk to us a little bit about why this happens. Are there any leading causes that might attribute to prostate cancer or testicular cancer?
1: So, I mean, the biggest risk factors for testicular cancer and prostate cancer is being male because women obviously don't have these. But they're also now we're beginning to understand that there are environmental exposures as well as genetic predispositions that makes patients more susceptible to these conditions. So really, it's our job to, number one, prevent disease, but also to diagnose and treat these conditions if they arise early and fast.
0: And for things like kidney stones, what are some of the leading contributors that causes them to occur?
1: Kidney stones, in general, are most commonly caused by combination of bad luck, dehydration, poor nutrition, as well as genetic predisposition. Now, what we're beginning to see now more and more is that previously women were very immune to kidney stones. But now, as their rates of obesity as well as diabetes have risen, their rates of kidney stone formation are becoming in line with men, which does make us think that kidney stones are definitely related to more diet and lifestyle rather than more innate things such as genetics.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you for your best advice on how men can prevent some of these urologic issues that we're talking about here. I mean, is diet and exercise enough? Is there anything else that we should be doing?
1: Diet and exercise is certainly very helpful and very, very important. So my specialty in particular is treating erectile dysfunction, but I also treat a fair amount of patients with kidney stone. So if you're a male or even a female, I do recommend that you drink at least two to three liters of fluid, ideally water or non-sugary drinks per day, just to flush out the system. I also recommend just eating a heart-healthy diet and making sure not to hold your urine for long periods of time. Now, as it relates to erectile dysfunction, they say that erectile dysfunction is typically the earliest indicator of cardiovascular disease. So if you have a patient in their 40s who starts developing erectile dysfunction that seems to come out of nowhere and it's progressive, then actually our national guidelines do recommend that we also refer them to a primary care physician or even a cardiologist to make sure that cardiovasculars are doing okay.
0: Okay, that's really good to know. I'm 38 years old and I get my annual physical and blood work done. And I'm wondering if that's enough. I guess the real question is around when should men start regularly being proactive about their urologic health?
1: For a patient that has no family history of urologic issues and that is otherwise healthy, I do recommend about the age of 50, where we start checking your prostate, checking some lab values. But, you know, it's never too harmful to start earlier if you feel like you're having any issues with your urination or if you have concerns that you may have a kidney stone. But 50 really is my cutoff. We're really starting to see patients on an annual basis.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about an older demographic. My dad, for example, he has that enlarged prostate that really makes it difficult for him to go to the bathroom. And I see this as something that's potentially pretty common. Why do you think this is and what are some things that we can do as a younger demographic to prevent it from happening?
1: So I tell patients that as you get older, everything gets smaller except your prostate. So as you get older, your prostate enlarges. And as the prostate enlarges, basically what happens is is that the junction between your bladder and your urethra, so it just adds resistance to the actual urine flow. Unfortunately, with time, that also causes your bladder to become overworked and for the muscle to become thicker. So this can lead to a bunch of symptoms such as having to strain the pee, poor urine stream, frequency, urgency. So the best way to prevent that from happening is to maintain a good diet. Now, there's a lot of luck involved in this, and you can have a patient who's the healthiest guy in the world that has an enlarged prostate that's very bothered by it. You can also have a patient that's in terrible health that has no urinary symptoms on the small prostate. So it's hit and miss. But I do recommend that diet can definitely affect your ability to empty your bladder And diabetes in particular can definitely harm your bladder's performance. So avoid those issues.
0: You mentioned diet a couple times and having a heart-healthy diet. Is that just kind of avoiding things like sugars and carbohydrates and eating more plants?
1: I'd say that everything in moderation. I'm not advocating, you know, eliminating meats or what you like out of your diet. But you definitely should not be taking in what you really enjoy on a daily basis. You should stress eating more fruits and vegetables, healthy types of proteins, as well as minimizing the fats and processed carbohydrates in your diet.
0: That makes sense. And before we move on from the prostate, you've mentioned the prostate enlarges. Is there anything or any medicine that one can take to make it smaller?
1: Absolutely. So there are different classes of medications and there's different treatments available. So there are medications that are designed to both shrink the prostate as well as to relax the prostate. And those can be used in combination. And that's something that even primary care physicians can comfortably start patients on. We typically see patients after they have been started on medications, and patients seem to have plateaued and not really seen any improvement. There's a whole class of medications and a whole field and business of medicine aimed at treating the large prostate. Okay,
0: that's definitely good to hear. What about treatment for erectile dysfunction? You know, I imagine this is something that a lot of men have, and they kind of suffer in silence. So I don't know if there's a cure, but maybe speak to a little bit about what's out there for them.
1: ED is definitely underdiagnosed, underacknowledged. Patients are are historically reluctant to admit they have this to their primary care physician. And as I said before, you know, erectile dysfunction can certainly be an indicator that you have some underlying cardiovascular issues. So you definitely want to make sure that you see a regular doctor who checks your blood pressure, who also checks your cholesterol. So once they've eliminated bad causes of erectile dysfunction, or they're actively managing those issues, well, how do we treat erectile dysfunction? Typically, I do recommend lifestyle modification, including improving one's diet, increasing cardiovascular exercise, as well as weight loss. All those three strategies can all independently improve erectile function over a six-month period. I also recommend oral medications. So you've heard all of them before. They're heavily advertised on TV, and they all definitely do work. They're all meant to improve blood flow to the area. And in general, they have very minimal side effects. So they are very good first-line therapy besides lifestyle modification. Let's say someone is refractory, oral medications don't necessarily work, or they just feel like they're just not really achieving what they want to, there's a whole list of other tools that we have at our disposal to make erections happen it really just depends on how motivated a patient is and where they are in terms of their health
0: just as we close here one thing i always like to ask is i'm sure you've seen a lot of patients with urologic issues over time and for men listening to this what's the one piece of advice that you wish more male patients knew before they came to see you
1: Male patients in general have been very, very bad about neglecting their health care. And in general, they will wait well beyond what is reasonable. So the one thing that I want to stress to all those male patients out there, including even myself, is that seek care when you feel like something isn't right. Don't wait for it to really linger and fester when it's too late. And this can relate to kidney stones, cancers, even benign issues like having an enlarged prostate. Because I've actually seen a fair amount of patients in Ridgecrest myself that are having significant and end-stage bladder dysfunction and end-organ failure because they've neglected their just seemingly bothersome urinary symptoms. So don't wait, be your oldest, be your regular doctor they get plugged in. And that way we can treat you with, with things that can be very easily managed.
0: Well, that's really great advice, Dr. Lodoyle. I really appreciate your time today. That's Dr. Jeffrey Lodoyle, a urology specialist at the Ridgecrest Regional Hospital Urology Clinic in alliance with USC Urology, a part of Keck Medicine of USC. Thanks for checking out this episode. Head to rrh.org for more information. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thanks, and we'll talk next time.